Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined tonight by Kyle Porter. And boy, we have uh, quite a show for you tonight, Kyle. There's there is a lot to get into. We had a BMW championship take place. Patrick Cantlay defends his title. A U.S. amateur at Ridgewood Country Club in Paramus, New Jersey, which I know, KP, you were all over. And um, some some talks going on and some reports going on on the PGA Tour off the golf course um it's going to be quite a show but what's going on kp well it's you know it's funny craig because when we started doing these these um i've been doing this podcast for a long time we started doing daily shows and when we first started it obviously producer jacob's been awesome producing it and scheduling it and you know all of us are nightmares to deal with and we can't ever get our schedule straight and right <laughs> at least I, I am and uh it, the, my first thought was like, oh, we can't do a show every day. What are we going to talk about every day? And now it's like, should we do two shows a day? Maybe, right. maybe, maybe like one every 12 hours. There's so much just going on in the world of golf. And most of it's super fun. Some of it is not. Um, but we do have a ton to talk about. And I'm excited about about pretty much all of it. There's a lot of fun stuff to get into. You know, what happens actually on the golf course always seems to be fun. But the other fun thing, KP, is our one and done league, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. But I got to give you this uh, um, this opportunity that's going on, which is spectacular. We have a special sale going on over at the FFT Draftathon store. And it this is up for bid. You can bid on an opportunity to join our one and done league for the year. So all you got to do is scan the QR code. Uh, the link is also in the description here in this video, wherever you're watching or listening. And there's other there's other stuff going on over over there as well. There's plenty of fantasy football related content getting you ready for 2022. Uh, it includes a a personal pre draft Zoom um, for with fantasy experts at CBS Sports. I mean, imagine if every single week you could have a Zoom call with Rip, Rick Gaming getting you ready for your DFS lineups in golf. You can do that in football. All you got to do is scan that QR code. So that is some really exciting stuff. But um, Kyle, so if, yeah, go well, ahead. I was going to ask, if I bid on this, do I does that money go toward my one and done uh, total? Well, of course, it's going to a good cause. 
And there's more information coming out about that cause, which which we'll get to, and Jacob can help us out about that. Is, but, is Jay Monahan going to say something about it next week? Um, it's on his desk. <laughs> so I won't, So producer Jacob, get in here. If I bid on this, yeah, six hundred sixty, six hundred seventy dollars. There's thirty four bids. That's crazy. It's impressive. So I wonder if, I, if, it's, if it's two folks going back and forth. Uh, could be. So if I jump in at 670, will you count that toward my one and done total for next year? Sure. You can I, start I just, You can start off with whatever. If you win it because of your charitable efforts, I, I will put that money in your bank for the one and done league next this year. Might be a, it might be a long-term play for me to keep the, the, the sand pounders out of the competition. <laughs> That's true. The full screen's getting yeah. pretty it's getting pretty uh pretty crowded there. So, you know, adding one more name that that could be disastrous. So so, so we could have we could have a fan and the fans in the aggregate? Yes, yes. We so we could have a fan versus the fans uh figure out if like almost like uh what was that show like 1 versus 100, you know? Like we could we could see, you know. Yeah. They're the smartest one of all the fans. Uh, lots of possibilities there. I think I think whoever finishes last should get should not get to play the the following year. They should wow. get relegated. Yeah. Dude, more on that to come. Like That's they have to, they have to eat punishment. They have to play a they have to play a one and done with like my kids or something. They have <laughs> to go play they have to go play uh like Asian tour one and done. They have to go find one <laughs> online. Grinding Brutal. out international series. <laughs> That Speaking is of, have, have we we haven't talked about the Patrick Reed Brandle uh, lawsuit, have we? Uh, I certainly haven't talked about. You're gonna it have too. you're gonna I've have to about keep, it a lot. You're gonna have to keep me on track here because I'm yeah. just gonna be all over the place. And there's so much to get into, but let's start. Let's start. Let's keep this uh, a little bit in line here. Let's start with Patrick Cantlay. All right, he's in the, in the BMW Championship this weekend, and he defends his title successfully. A different golf course this week. It was at. Uh, Wilmington Country Club in Delaware, and he's able to fend off Scott Stallings of all other people, um, which which was almost a disaster to the most regular player on the PGA Tour. I mean, the oh, most boy. regular player on tour cannot have a playoff victory and and be in that category. So he almost you, played his way out of that. Do you think he would have been the and I say this is not intended to be um, derogatory, but. Do you think you would have been the worst winner in playoff history? Hmm. It's got to go back and right. look. I mean, I'll, I'll didn't, uh, didn't Heath Slocum win a, a no, PGA? no, did he? I I think he won um uh, the first playoff event one year. Oh, he did. You're right. Nick so Watney. That's the first one that jumps off the page to me. Nick Watney was a really good player when. Yeah, he, won. he was good. Chris Kirk is up there. Um. Yeah. Yeah, very Stallings, comparable to Stallings, probably. Stallings would have been up there with like Kirk and Slocum and uh, Charlie Hoffman. I think Charlie Hoffman's probably better than Scott Stallings. Definitely better. Yeah, yeah, I would say. So um, he, he it would it would have been a conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah, but um, I I think Heath Slocum's probably the leader in the clubhouse right now. Um, but it, but it was very he played great. Scott Stallings played great, but. Patrick Cantlay, the heavy hitter, was able to get the job done. I mean, this was a this was a really impressive performance from him. 
made three birdies on his back nine at, at 11, 14, and 17. He was really steady. His lag putting was phenomenal. And it was really, to me, KP, just a, a well-rounded performance. But he now jumps all the way up in from, from the seventh spot in the FedEx Cup standings to number two. And this is starting to look a lot like where it looked last year. Um, it, it's not out of nowhere by any means because Patrick Cantley has been playing some great golf, leads the PGA Tour in top tens. Um, but but this is his first individual win of the year, and it was a really impressive performance. Yeah, we were talking about this on HQ, and I made the – well, I, I actually want to hear what you have to say. Do you think this year has been successful or disappointing for Patrick Cantley? Oh, well, there are disappointing elements, right? This is the, this is kind of the bizarre thing when you finish second place, you know, having three second place finishes is better than having three 13th place finishes, but it's more disappointing. You feel like you're a lot closer and there's one moment, you know, if my ball doesn't plug in the bunker at the RBC heritage. I win, right? I make a, I make a putt in, um, in Phoenix and who knows they might be talking about me for player of the year instead of Scotty Scheffler. I mean, who knows what happens? So I would say ultimately this was probably all around a better year than last year, but far more disappointed. You think all around a better year? Well, I, I think you could make that argument. I mean, he's been, he's been phenomenal this year, 11 top tens this year. I mean, it's been some really consistent play out of Patrick Cantlay. Now, look, it's um, he won four times last year. Now, this would be if he wins next week, you're it's three wins. So it's, you're right in the same neighborhood. You're right in the same ballpark. So to your point, uh, I just ran the numbers on this from January 1 to August, uh, one, uh, August 7, whatever, whatever, whatever we're at, August. No, August 21. So today. Yeah. So January 1 to August 21 of last year, he was 1.85 strokes gain. Now that went up because some of the playoff events were later on where he really thrived. Yeah. So he improved that later in the year. <clears throat> but January 1 to August 21 of this year, not including this week even, I don't think that's included yet, uh, he's 2.05. So statistically, he's been better. He's not like better, but like by a decent margin. You know, yeah. if you're over two for a year, that's that's big time. Like that's really impressive. Like that's really hard to do. Yeah, there's not th there's not that many guys that have done it. So I, I think I think that's a really interesting point because, and it and it speaks to the way that we do the we we over we give more weight to wins than statistical performance. And I think we we should right like the, there's winning matters, and we talk about this all the time, but. I think what happens is that when winning is the only thing that matters sometimes, it obscures. Like, I, I honestly, like, I couldn't have told you that Cantley was having a better year because he hadn't won. And I think even more than that, because he hadn't played that great at the majors. You know, you yeah. think about, especially the first two, the Masters and the, and the uh, PGA Championship. And he comes into this year off of last year's high, winning whatever four times. You're right, man, Cantlay is ready to just like mess some people up at the majors. And he plays an egg really at the first two kind of three major championships. And we've got the numbers up here. That's that's disappointing, you know. And so Absolutely. I think I think I think a little bit of that was kind of coloring my view of him as like, well, he's not in the Cam Smith, Scheffler, 
even obviously Rory at the majors this year, he's not in that category, but he's played really well. I mean, just, I mean, look at these last eight tournaments. He's just positive in everything. He just, and you've made this point. He has no holes. Um, and that leads to a lot of top eights, top sixes, top tens. And I think that, um, you know, you'd like to see him win more for sure, but he's had a better year than I probably was giving him credit for. Yeah. And look, playoff losses are really tough and those go the other way. You know, one guy beats you, Jordan Spieth and Scotty Scheffler in two different cases. And if he comes out on top of those, this is a much different conversation. His major performance this year was, was better than last year. I'm with you. Totally with you. The first two is terrible, but you're talking about two top 15 finishes in the next two last year. His best finish in a major was a tied 15th. So he had, um, you know, in the last two years, his two best finishes in majors were this year. Um, I also, I think there was a lot more consistency this year. Um, he, he missed five cuts last year. He only missed two cuts this year. Um, you're 11 top tens this year to seven last year. There are a lot of elements. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, and and he only put 19 events, 11 top tens and 19 events. That's that's contention, regular contention. Yeah. And it's, it's most, I mean, it's tournament champions. That's big time. Phoenix is really good. Uh, RBC heritage is uh, okay. Um, Zurich, whatever team event memorial great um scottish open was like a top seven field this year open championship obviously and then rocket mortgage is not that good but bmw is a really strong field also so it's mostly in like big boy fields it's it's not a this is not to pick on fino because he's been tearing it up everywhere but it's not you know you're not just doing it at 3m and rocket mortgage and places like that yeah, and you could say with the Zurich, the you know teaming up with Shoffley, you kind of stack your team, and you can get a really big advantage, which they did. You still got to get the job done. I'm not taking anything away from it, but that's like the you know you're picking on the smaller fields kind of thing. Yeah, um, but but his, you know, the Memorial and the U.S. Open and the Open Championship and the Scottish, all the ones you mentioned, they I mean they prove the point. This guy's this guy's legit. And he's going to be hard to beat next week. I don't. I mean, he's two shots back of Scotty Scheffler, and he's going to be really hard to beat. That that actually brings us right to, um, it brings us right to that staggered start. Unless you got something else. Well, real quick, I think I just don't understand. Uh, he finished last year at two point one five strokes gained overall. By the way, the whole the entire year. So count, okay, two thousand twenty one post like whatever like post this date i think the bmw last year was after this date and obviously the tour championship also so um so he's got a little bit of he'll probably be around there after the numbers come out from from this week's bmw he'll be around 2.15 which is just disgusting but yeah. and compl- uh, I, I think the thing that i don't understand about cantley and we've talked about this a hundred times is you look at the tournaments and if you're watching on youtube you can see it you look at the tournaments on here and you're like okay he he plays well at American Express and Pebble and Phoenix Open. And then you get to the, like the legit, like this is a really hard course and you got to hit golf shots to play it well courses, Genesis, or excuse me, Riviera, TPC Sawgrass, Augusta National. And that's where the drop-off is. And you're like, 
you watch Cantlay and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Like he hits no. so he hits like unbelievable shots and he has such great control of his golf ball. And I don't at Southern Hills, he misses the cut. I just don't get how like there are times where I understand why some guys thrive in worse setups. And with him, I I it like if you just said if you just gave me these these finishes, I would I would assign them to the wrong courses, right? Like it, I, right. Would, I would put I would put them on the wrong courses because of his skill set, and I just don't understand that. And I don't know if you have any insight on that or any thoughts on that, but it just it makes no sense to me. No, it's a hard one to figure out. It really is because you know it makes me wonder if it's the if it's the moment. Um, is it the the um is he putting the same pressure on himself come major championship time come Riviera time that we do? And is that why you see such a big change in performance? Because all, I mean, he's a different player in these events. I mean, the players championship, he was on the right side of the draw. I mean, he he should be licking his chops there. You'd expect him. I mean, that is a perfect setup for him. Um, The, the masters and the PGA, is he putting too much pressure on himself? Is he saying, all right, this is my year for a major. Yeah. And that could be hard. That can change your performance. It can change your skill set in a way. Um, And I wonder if that, but I wonder if that plays into it, but it is, it's puzzling. And I I don't think there's a clear cut answer. No, I agree. Um, Okay. Staggered start. Yeah. Staggered start. So a couple things happen in the staggered start. And I know you, you tweeted out a, you tweeted out the picture of what has happened. Um, and where everybody's going to start. So you see Scotty Scheffler got back to his number one spot, uh, which I think is deserving and fitting. And he obviously played great this week too, finishing tied third. So Scotty's at 10. Patrick Cantlay moves from seventh up to um, up to second. He'll start at eight under. Will Zalatoris, who withdrew this week, is going to start at seven. Xander moves up into the sixth spot. He's a name I think a lot of people have circled. And Sam Burns is the top. Uh, is in fifth. Now, everybody who's won the tour championship with the staggered start so far has been in this group so far. Two guys have uh, been, 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 has been in the top five, right? Has been in the top five. Yeah. Rory was the farthest back. He started at five under and he, I think he won by four in 2019. Yeah. I forgot who started in first that year. Um, Reed? No. No, but I ha- I think I have JT. it. I think it was JT. Yeah, I, it was JT. And JT shot three under on his own ball for three under for 13 under and finished tied third. Um, then your other winners, DJ started DJ in 2020, started at 10 under. Yeah. Uh, went on to win and can't lay last year, started at 10 under and went on to win. So um, when when you look at this, what do you what do you think? Is Scotty going to get it done next week? Are you are you is there anybody that stands out to you that's not in this top five? Well, so a couple of things. First of all, I think I think that it's a little bit. Um, so what has the tour been saying about live golf? Right, they're exhibitions. They're not real tournaments. They're exhibitions. Yeah. It's a little disingenuous to say that and then you conduct your biggest championship or your not maybe not your biggest but your year-end championship as a net event right like it's it's and that's not i mean i get why they do it i understand like the reasons behind it and the methodology and all that stuff and and i think it's 
a lot of it's solid. It just feels a little bit like, oh, like you guys do the exhibition, but we're the ones that are starting events with like staggered starts. And so that just still feels again, it's fine. I understand it. It just still feels a little goofy. And then I think I think they're a little hung up, Craig, between are we rewarding the best player of this season or are we rewarding the like the best player of the playoffs because and i was big on this a couple weeks ago and some people were not excited about it but you can't let everybody in the playoffs and then like 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 there's everybody a chance to win there's too many people in the playoffs right i think we've i think like the tour is basically saying that by reducing the number to 70 last year from, from 125 this year. But it just, the, the whole thing is weird to me because it's like, well, let's either reward the best year or let's just let a certain amount, a certain number of people in the playoffs, like they do in the, in, in whatever the NBA or major league baseball say, everybody's at zero, go get it. You guys all earn this opportunity to go and win this championship. <laughs> and, but uh, like right now they're trying to combine like uh, like a premier league would where it's like okay well who who did the best throughout the 38 regular season games uh and that team is the is the champion right so they're like combining that with a major league baseball or an NFL and I don't really know what to make it, it, I think it's hard to know what to make of all of that right because yeah. you're like well Scheffler is first because he was good in like March but he's kind of not been great in the playoffs, but he's like, it's just hard to, I think, decipher everything that's going on. Um, I don't, I, does any of that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense to me. And I have, um, I have a very similar opinion uh, that, that it's the, the biggest problem that they face is trying to reward the best players for the, from the year in the playoffs. And if playoffs, and again, I, I was trying to um, come up with this back when we were, everybody was, uh, you know, sharing ideas on what the best way to do this is what, when they came out with this. And my thinking is if you're going to reward players for the regular season, reward them at the end of the regular season, expand Comcast business top 10, take whatever you have in your, in your bonus pool and, and do it there. And then, and I'm not saying it has to be, well, we're going to flip them. So you have 170 million or 70, million, whatever the total is in the FedEx cup playoffs at the end of the season. And then we're going to play for $20 million in the playoffs. I'm not, I'm not saying that you can divvy up these numbers a little bit differently, but if you want to say Scotty Scheffler was the best player in the world this year, then reward him a little more than $4 million, which is great. And it's a lot, but it's a lot less than 18 million that you win for winning the playoffs. Well, it's, it's almost like, and we don't need to spend a ton of time on this because producer Jacob just subtly let us know that we'll be doing this in a future episode, redoing the playoffs, but it's almost like, Hey, let's just let, and again, this is not probably going to be super popular and won't make the tour a ton of money, but let 20 guys in 12 guys, right? Like, whatever like otherwise the regular season just doesn't um it, it i don't know the whole thing is just it it feels like you know when developers write code for products 
and you have a product where it's like a really old uh, piece of software and they just layered code on code on code on code on code. And by, you know, 40 years in, it's a complete mess because at the time it seemed like the right thing to do to add another piece of code to the piece of software. But you get 40 years down the road and you're like, ah, that there's a lot of individual decisions that when you add them all up and try to make them make sense, don't totally make sense. Right. right. That's what this feels like. I and I I totally understand it, and we can save this. We can save yeah, all this yeah, yeah, yeah. for another episode. But I I feel like I understand what their what the mission is. I understand what they're trying to do, and I do think it creates a fair product. But this is an era where is it fair for the players? Is it right for the players? And unfortunately, we're in this position where we have to make sure that it's good for the players. And and it used to always be well, let's make it really good for the fans, and we'll reward the players. But our mission is to get people watching. When people watch, we can reward the players. Well, and, yeah, and you you look at Sep Sep Straka being ninth here. Yeah. Okay. What? what why is Sep Straka ninth? Right, because he came in second in a in a playoff event. You know, and I just like again, you're you're. But if you do that, if you if Sepp Straka is actually ninth, you have to start everybody, I think, from zero. Sepp Straka would then be second, entering this week, entering BMW. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not a... <laughs> Sepp Straka wouldn't be in my playoffs, I guess, maybe. I, I don't remember where he came in. I feel like he came in in the 40s. But I understand what you're saying. You make the playoffs something really special. Maybe there's a way to move the to to um, start the playoffs almost just like the tour championship. It's not three legs of playoffs, but but the last two events of the regular season are elevated and they become a, a final push to get into this one tournament. Mm. I, yeah, yeah, you, you so. could do that. All that all that conversation to say, I do think Scheffler is going to win. It feels like so he's he. I think one thing that's gotten buried a little bit, he he's continued to hit it great this summer. He just hadn't putted as well. And so the results haven't been there. So it feels yeah. like struggling, but, and he is in some areas, but he's still, I mean, he's so consistent with his ball striking, not just this year, but even last year when he wasn't winning, it's just, it's just week in, week out. It's so good. And I think that this year to me feels tantamount to what Spieth did in 15 where he wins early on and wins you know majors and then he caps it all with the tour championship same th same thing with um with JT in 17 I guess he didn't win the tour championship but he won the FedEx Cup that that's what it feels like is happening with Scotty Scheffler that it that it's the proper ending to, and that I mean it's going to happen but that's it as of right now that's what it feels like is going to happen it, it does feel that way. I am in total agreement with you. Um, we're going to get to a break here, but I just I'll, I'll let you know a couple of other guys who were on the outside who moved inside after the BMW championship. Adam Scott came in 45th. He, end, he, he gets in at number 29. That was really exciting to watch that drama unfold. He's the only player now to play his way into both of the first two, uh, to play his way in in both cases into the yeah. next playoff event. Which is pretty cool. Cage Lee was thirty third coming in. He got to number twenty six. Uh, impressive year for him. Um, and it was his first. The, the, Jacob put this in the rundown. This is great. Before today, he had not had a final round under par 
since his win at the AT&T Byron Nelson in May. Um, that That's pretty cool. And then lastly, Aaron Wise entered at 31st and moved up to 30th. So there was a lot of movement. I mean, Tom Kim entered at 25th and missed the tour championship, um, which that's a that's a lot of spots to fall. Um, so I, I was a little surprised by that, but it was, um, there, there was definitely a lot of movement, but, um, KP on the other side of the break, we're going to get into Tiger Woods and his meeting with the players. And if you thought this was all over the place, just wait till, uh, we join <laughs> you after this break. We'll take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. All right, Kyle. Um, there's a lot to get into here. So Tiger has a meeting with the players on Tuesday at the BMW championship. Um, it was 22 players and there was really no reports. No reports really came out. Everybody who was asked about it had just kind of general comments. All the players were very tight lipped. And we now have um, a report coming out from Alan Shipnook talking about a tour within the tour, which is essentially 18 big money events. Um, and, and also something that you have been saying for a long time now, uh, getting rid of their nonprofit status. What are your initial reactions to this news? Uh, yeah, I think the, well, 
I think the nonprofit status is going to go away. And I'll get into why I think that when we talk about the next thing we're going to talk about, which was an Eamon Lynch report on, I think it was on Sunday. Yeah, yeah it was on Sunday. Um, I think that this is, I mean, Rory said this in his press conference on Wednesday. He's like, you got to get all the top guys together at the same tournaments, <laughs> which is like uh, people on Twitter who are pro live or whatever bot. I don't know what they're, what these people are, but I don't either. They, they make pro live points. And I think that they're very like, Oh, you, you know, the tour is just copy and live. And it's like, Hey, yo, live does some good stuff. Like there are good components to live. Like I, we just live in this world where everything is so binary, where if you don't like it, you also can't think any of it is good. It's like, right. I don't really, I don't really like live, but I think, I think there's, they do a lot of things that are good. You know, I think, I think yeah. components of it are super compelling and the tour copying the fact that they get all their players in the same tournaments at the same places is the right move. I mean, you, you should, probably should have been doing that uh, a while ago. It, it's, it's hard because I think part of the tour's allure is like, Hey, you can choose your schedule and you can play when you want. And we'll always have some stars, but we will rarely have all the stars. And I just don't know. I think that one of the problems is they got so sprawling with their tournaments, right? There's, there's, yeah. 35 events, 40 events, 45 events. And, and it's like, hey, they're all going to be like pretty good. And a couple of them are going to be really good. And it, and it just, man, I don't, that feels like the XFL or something like that sort of mindset where it's like, well, what, what if you just condensed things and made 10 of them or 12 of them or 18 of them awesome? And the other ones are, worse than the like than they used to be i i to me that's the that's the that's the path for that's the right way to go and does that suck for the scott stallings of the world and the peter malnati's of the world maybe um do you still offer i mean one of the things and this gets back to what we were talking about before the break what have you just offered like twice as many FedEx cut points at the good events or no FedEx cut points at the bad events or some, something like that. I, I, there's so many things you could do that would make the, the kind of core of your product. I mean, think about the players championship, the players championship is a PGA tour event. feels like a freaking big deal. And you right. know why that is because it's at a course that we know and everybody in the world is at that tournament. Yeah. Like what if what if there were more of that? You can't replicate the players championship, but you can create more events kind of like that, you know? Yeah. And, and I and I think that I think the tour it's um I think they had good intentions, but man, I, I think this is a much better future for um what direction they should go. Now, in a way, I'm again, these reports are just reports. Um, and nothing has been decided yet, but I do feel like in a way they, with changes that are already official starting next year, they have accomplished a lot of those things, right? The, yeah. the FedEx cup season is now January to, uh, to uh, the playoffs to August, yep. right? Yep. That, that's a, that condenses things. 
then you take these eight events and raise the purses significantly. And in a way, I mean, they're right up there with players championship level purses. And I think there's a reasonable expectation that you're going to get all the stars there. So you have the first two playoff events, yeah, which are really good fields. You have the players, the Memorial, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Um, you have you have uh, Tigers event, the Genesis. So that's that's three and two is five, and then you have the four majors, which is um, you know nine, and you start to get up to a pretty significant number. Yeah, I don't. It depends on where you classify the WGC, the match. Yeah. Play. Maybe yeah, another one there. So there, my point is they're there. And I think they've answered the first question by just changing the schedule and reducing the number of players that get into the playoffs. The, the first the question was a big problem. Which question? Uh, cond- um, condensing the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, in, in it's, um, you know, I, I heard people should go check out. There was a really good podcast that Andy Johnson and Joseph Lamagna did for the fried egg. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. And in it, they were talking about how, um, so, so, so what you're saying is true. And, but those are like, it's almost informally, it's like a wink, wink, like these, these are the most important events. And they were talking about how you could formalize that by only giving FedEx cup points to 12 events or whatever the number is. And then it becomes like a really special and, and they've already reduced the number of players that get into the FedEx cup, right? It's 70, right? It's already becoming a little bit more special. Then it becomes like, Oh, those are the events. I actually, you're forcing players to play events without saying, without telling them, Hey, you ha- like live, you have to be at this event. Right. Right. And that feels really good. I think, I think I, th- like, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the path to, f- to like formalize it, but I think there needs to be a formalization of like, Hey, these are the, these are the six, 15 events that matter, whatever it is. I think what's going to be really interesting, Greg, is what does that do to the other 30 events? And does that in any way affect the way the TV contracts are structured? I read a live contract, a live players contract the other day. I had no idea what was going on. So I do not want to get into TV contracts at all, but right. I, I'm, I'm curious about that and intrigued by, um, yeah, just sort of how all of that stuff is affected. If you do formalize it even further than you already have. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a way you could navigate through that. Um, but you know, to point, I think this has something to do with TV contracts, but they have in the past, you get the same number of FedEx cup points for um, trying to think of two examples, but they, they level the FedEx cup points. They make them very level in every single event so that players do choose so that at the John Deere classic, you get a a star or two. So it, it doesn't kind of force players down a path of playing a certain schedule and it spreads it out a little bit. And what you end up with is, Tony Finau winning the 3M Open in a great finale that does great on TV. Winning the Rocket Mortgage but is that, that does great. Is that your is that your future? Like is that is that yeah, well that's in que- it's very much in question now. But that's what they've done in the past. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just <laughs> saying that this would be a big departure from that. And I think the TV contracts, um, they like that because you can in a way you can make some promises to every event. Um, 
Yeah. You know. I, well, I, listen, like, I think one interesting question is, does a TV contract with, this is reductive, but does a TV contract with 15 players championships make more money than a contract with one players championship and, you know, 43 other events? Yeah, it's a phenomenal question. And that's, that's over. I'm obviously oversimplifying that. It's not that simple, but I, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. And I, and almost like, <laughs> does it, part of this is the players forcing the tour's hand, right? The players are the tour, et cetera, et cetera. And the player, if the players are like, Hey, we need to all get together at the same events more. Then and they're all on the same page, and Tiger is saying, "Hey, this is what we need to do. This is what you guys need to do." Then that's what's going to happen, right? Regardless, regardless of uh, what the TV contract, like, <laughs> hey, figure it out. You know, is yeah. is like probably what the players are saying to the rest of us. And we're, this is where we're going to show up, and this is you know how much we're going to get paid and all that stuff. So I don't know. I I'm you know, again, it's, it feels a little copycat in terms of live, but I think that I, to me, it's, it's you're, t if you tell me, Hey, we're going to consolidate a bunch of this sprawling schedule and tour into 15 events that are big time. I mean, you, you, you watch, man, I, I was watching even the U S women's amateur last week, right, man, this feels big time. There's only like, 200 people here or whatever there's not that many people but it's it's a it's a championship right it's a usga championship you've been around that a ton and you're like yeah this is what this should feel like and i get really excited when i hear hey all the uh, everybody's showing up for these 12 or 15 events whether it's formal or informal or whatever and i really think that's a that's a real path forward for the pga tour to um to conduct business against live it it'll be um, a very interesting saga to follow, as it has been for you know, over a year now. It feels like, um, and and there's only more coming. So we'll we'll continue to discuss that throughout the year. We have all this stuff comes up regularly, and we are working our way closer to two episodes a day. It seems like because we have plenty <laughs> to talk about on the course, and there's all this to talk about off the golf course too. But this is the other thing I wanted to get into with you, KP the um, the Amon Lynch report. Yeah. On Tiger and Rory starting a now this report's very vague and it's in its infancy for sure. Um, but apparently Jay Monahan is on board with the concept of um one day events that are technology based and in stadiums, which I found to be very interesting. There'll be a select number of players. Um, and, and it's it staged with a live audience and there are some rumors that reports or potentials that it could run in January through March, uh, with some kind of finale held later. And when you read this report, what do you, what do you think? Like, what well, do you think? I was about to ask you the same thing, uh, yeah. to put the, put the pressure on you. It reads like a long drive contest or a skills competition or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it is. It is incredibly vague and maybe purpose purposefully so. I think, you know, the, it says something in here about how Monahan is going to have more uh, more specifics could be announced by Jay Monahan this week at the Tour Championship. So I'd be intrigued yeah. by that. By the way, Jay, uh, you said Jay Monahan's on board. I think anything Tiger and Rory say, Jay Monahan's probably on board with at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but 
the most interesting part of this, and this is something that I had heard a little bit behind the scenes. I'll, I'll just read this straight from the article. It says it was presented as a long-term opportunity for players to build equity in the enterprise. So it would almost be this, think about the match, but closely affiliated with the tour and uh, owned partly by the players and not golf, but skills, I guess. Right. Sanctioned by the tour, right? Sanctioned by the tour. That's the right way to say yeah. it. Um, to build equity in the enterprise, which will have private funding. That's the most important part. I'll come back to that. In addition to corporate partnerships and sponsors. The proposal was received positively among players in the room, according to a source familiar with the conversation. Again, if Tiger and Rory are saying something, it's probably going to be received positively by yeah. the players in the room. But yeah. the private funding part is something that other people have reported and I have heard, which is that the tour is trying to shed its nonprofit status. And, or at least that's what I believe this is referencing, because I believe you can't be a nonprofit and receive private funding unless there's a backdoor we need Sia on here unless there's a backdoor into nonprofits that I'm not thinking of or don't know of off the top of my head which is could, could totally be the case but I think the the private funding part is um man there's just I, I think there's a lot of doors that could open with a for-profit PGA tour if they get rid of their nonprofit status there's a lot of downsides to it you know, you think about having to pay volunteers and different things like that, but to be uh, funded by, you know, privately or to give, like it says in here, players some equity or to, I, I don't know all the mechanisms. I just know that there's a lot more flexibility in terms of how payment is distributed when you're a for-profit organization than when you're a not-for-profit organization. Right. And so to me, I, regard like whatever that thing turns out to be, it says 2024, whether it's a long drive or a, a skills deal or an all-star type thing or whatever. To me, the the, the biggest tell or whatever in here is is that part because it signals something that i think is going to happen which is the tour over the next whatever year or two is going to become a for-profit organization yeah that's a a very interesting aspect and we'll see how that all plays out because that also connects with the story we just talked about with the the tour within the tour so it, it definitely seems it's starting to smell like they're going in that direction but there was one other thing i found really interesting about that and it's that it's in stadiums, which to me, technology and in stadiums, you can do a long drive in a simulator, right? You have numbers come up there. There's a lot of short game skills and putting skills you can do with or without technology. But um, but stadiums to me, I wonder if that has any effect on where the PGA Tour plays. Um, if, if these one-day events are going to be convenient for players they're probably going to be around you know on the on a monday or on a tuesday of a of a pga tour event in the same city and i wonder if they're going to go and play in uh chicago again and at you know at, um at soldier field you're going to have a pga tour skills competition indoors i i wonder if that's going to be the case but stadiums to me was very interesting because you got to be selective with where you go if you're going to have a events in stadiums like this unless they're planning on doing it in high school stadiums you know small you college stadiums yeah kyle field 
Shout out to Sam Bennett. Do you think there's a market for something like this? Um, I think it's, well, the size of the market is very interesting, but I yeah. think it's a very cool concept. I think golf and skills competitions um, can work. And it's a, it's an easy thing for players to do. It's a fun thing. And I think people will like it. I, I mean, can that be publicly traded? I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure if there's that kind of market for it. Um, but I do think it's a, a really cool add-on for a PGA Tour event. Um, but I think it, it's just hard to. It, it, it's interesting because it's, it. I watched the Slime Cup. Yeah. <laughs> I, if I just said that sentence, but the Nickelodeon <laughs> thing with my kids and you're like, okay, this is an hour or whatever it was. And the compelling part is not the shots that they hit, but the way they interacted, right? And so I think yeah. that would be conceivably a really big part of this is do, can you like watching, I, I think an underrated aspect of being at a golf tournament is watching guys interact and hearing them talk, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like super speaking the language type stuff. And as a, if you're a golf nerd or if you love golf, you, you can't get enough of it. You know, you're around a group like, um, any of them, they don't even have to be superstars, but when they're just talking golf and talking about, you know, launch angles and spin rates and just insane stuff like that, it's so compelling. And I don't know why, right. and I don't, and maybe I'm in a super, super minority, but I, th I think players speaking any language that is like, um, sort of unique to their sport is compelling to followers of that sport, whether it's, yeah, you're you know, behind the curtain. Yeah. Why do, why do, why do, um, shows that include like the Gruden show on ESPN or whatever, when you're just talking football or, you know, whatever. Uh, so I think that to me would be a big aspect of, of anything that they would go down uh, this path. Um, and again, we're going to hear a lot more about this in the, in the coming days. So I'm very interested, very intrigued to see how all of this plays out, but the conversations on the first cut have taken a little bit of a, of a different turn seemingly. And it's, um, it's very interesting to think about. It's a quite a mind exercise, but KP, I know your focus was largely on the, um, on the USAM today. It where, was. And, uh, Sam Bennett defeats Ben Carr one up. It was Ben Carr is a great story at a great golf swing. And Sam Bennett is quite a player, but, um, I want to get your thoughts on, on the USAM. I know you were closely following. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I I followed it most of the week. Did you ever play at a USAM? No. Did you no, get close? Um, no, I didn't. Closer to no, nah, I'm not even I'm not even gonna say that. Closer to opens because I tried to you know actually tried to play in them, but okay. never really advanced anywhere. But I got off to a late start in my own career. I didn't start playing until I was like 16. Um, I was never near that level. So when you were a 16, 17, 18, 19, was the USAM like a massive deal? Like, uh, obviously it's a massive deal, but to your kind of contemporaries? No, it wasn't. Um, but again, we're just kind of, we're very new to the game. Like uh, my contemporaries weren't really golfers. We became golfers, but we're <laughs> hockey players or basketball players, or we, we grew up playing other sports. And we get into it a little bit later on and fall in love. And then you start finding out what the USAM is and find out what the US Open is. But really, the initial attention for me was Tiger Woods. And so the, the PGA Tour and the professional golf was 
the had the highest intrigue by far. But as time goes on and you learn about it and you start to study the history and you start to care about the game on a deeper level, the USAM grows and grows and grows in importance. Yeah, I think the I was struck by what a big deal it felt like throughout the week. I mean, the amount of people that attended and and obviously when you when you consolidate every fan on property to one group, it looks like there are more people there than there actually are. Right. Yeah. And they're closer right there on the green. They're surrounding the green. It's freaking cool. Like I, I think it's phenomenal. Uh, and so it just, it was, I I love the U S amateur. I think every year I love it more than I did the year before. It felt like a reprieve from a lot of the professional stuff. And you know, I, it, it just it was super fun to watch. There were some really interesting holes. I think it was the what the twelfth at Ridgewood that was the drivable par four. Uh, Stuart Hagestad hit a driver to like three feet there earlier this week, which was insane. Uh, and then the the the, the storylines I thought were incredibly compelling. You know, you mentioned Sam Bennett, Ben Carr, both lost their fathers over the last two years. I think Carr was two years ago. Bennett was last year. Maybe Carr was three years ago. And so nineteen. Yeah, there was a ton of just emotion, I think, surrounding both of them. And it was a fun match. Bennett never trailed. He was either tied or led all 36 holes, which is, I think, a rarity to go 36 and never trail once. Like, that just doesn't really happen. He got up, he got yeah, five up cool. at one point. It looked like he was going to Saki Baba car. Uh, to use that as a verb. I think the the Golf Channel guys were using that. She won 11 and 9 yeah. at Chambers Bay last week in the final. But he didn't. Ben Carr uh, kind of fought back. Uh, uh, Bennett missed a three-footer on like 15. And then Carr made a, a, a sweet birdie on uh, 17, par 5. He made like a 20-footer to keep it alive, to take it to the, the last hole. But I think the thing, Greg, that I was most struck by with Bennett He's A&M, uh, SEC Player of the Year. Uh, he just twirls the hell out of the golf club, which I obviously <laughs> love. love. Oh, I just love it. He's a little bit uh, – he's super confident. And I think yeah. it, it, it was really impressive when somebody is that confident. He's, after he beat Hagestead on, I think it was Thursday, maybe Friday, he said they're great, they're great players. He, he faced like – for the top 30 in the in the wagger in the world amateur golf rankings in in his in his match play stuff he said they're great players but i'm a better player number three in the rankings and i feel like i'm the best player i'm the dog in this race i've been leading the uh, i've been playing the best golf leading up to here uh yesterday i was 10 under through 29 today i didn't quite have it but i got the job done uh etc etc oh he said i've got uh menente I, mean, I, can't, I can't say that kid's name. Menante, the North Carolina kid tomorrow. Obviously, he's playing good, another tough opponent. I think it's going to be a good match. But I think the hardest thing to do in sports, Greg, is to proclaim your self-confidence and then go back it up, especially in golf, because like so many just crazy, idiotic things can happen. Yes. And he went and did it. I mean, he he was just so... Even to watch him in the finale, he was so mentally locked in to where it seemed like Carr was kind of wavering at times. Like Carr was getting down on himself, and and uh, Bennett was just like never wavered, never changed. And he's he's almost this trash talking grinder, if that makes sense. Like he's a yeah, he's a, that's a good. Uh, I like that. 
he's a grinder with flair and that to me is is super impressive and and uh you know some people maybe didn't love how much time he was taking over shots or some of his club drawers or whatever and i think there's some fairness in there but uh he, he was a re- i thought he was a really compelling u.s amateur winner very compelling because he was a i mean he's a character uh, you know he played in the u.s open this year he's a he's a star and there's more he's he's very memorable we'll say that um and and a lot of that didn't come out at the u.s open yeah. If you're not following I, college golf, you wouldn't know that. I didn't even really know that he played in the U.S. He finished T49. Yeah. yeah, he played. He played nice. He had some good shots. Yeah. Um, but this obviously gets him a lot more attention. And people are going to remember Sam Bennett. And, and I hope they remember Carr, too, because he is yeah. a heck of a player. And he's got to leave this feeling like he should have won this tournament. I mean, what he did on the 31st hole. After Bennett hits it out of bounds, oh. it, it's yeah. It's, so it's if, heartbreaking. If, if people didn't watch, thir- uh, I think it's par five thirteenth. Bennett hooks one out of bounds, so all Carr has to do is just hit his. Uh, was that his second? Yes, yeah, lay second. lay his second up, get it, just run it up there, whatever, anything, and make par and get it and win the hole. And he hooked his out of bounds also, and yeah. just a complete nightmare um for him he had to get up and down from the bunk short-sided in the bunker for six but it was yeah it was cool you know he wins his match on saturday night and he just kind of breaks down because he you know you win that match and you're in the masters you're in the u.s open for next year and he was talking about his mom being there his brother his dad had, had passed away all of his friends being there and you're like, Oh, this, this event is the coolest, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's so emotional. You, there's so much wrapped up into it that you just don't get at a regular pro event. And, and you shouldn't like, they're very different events, but it just, I had a ton of appreciation, uh, for, for the, the, the championship that the USGA put on. It was awesome. Really, really cool event. And you said it earlier about the, um, U S women's am it feels big time. And this one definitely did as well. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a great watch, dude. Those guys are pros. I mean, they they play like high level corn fairy or low level PGA Tour players. They hit every fairway. Yeah. They're freaking long. I mean, Bennett Magic. hits it. Bennett hits it like Joaquin Neiman. I mean, he j- just his body is like just his spine yeah. angle is would make Brandel have a conniption. Like he's <laughs> just this is unbelievable, and. uh and they don't their short games are so good like they don't miss four footers you know and and you think about the u.s amateur like oh anybody could you know there's this allure they're like oh any amateur could win and it's like no like you're you're playing against professional golfers that just aren't getting paid for it not yet anyway right exactly uh, yeah but they're well on their way it, it's a really cool stepping stone and you see it time and time again there are guys in this tournament who you probably didn't even see because they may not have made it to match play that are going to go on to be PGA tour stars. So it's, um, it, it's always a great event. Now um, we have a little bit more to get into here. We got to, we got some housekeeping housekeeping to get into. We got some best bets. We got our one and done to get to um, all exciting stuff. But first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right, KP. I think we did all right getting through all that stuff in, in the time we did. I, I don't think it was egregious. No. Um, so I'm I'm happy with our with how you're we keep, moved along. You're keeping the train on the tracks over here. It's good. Let's start with best bets because they were not great. Rick, no. top Aussie Cam Davis plus 175. Obviously, Adam Scott was the top Aussie. Cam Davis was not. God bless you. Um, but I really, I really liked that pick. I, I thought Cam, Cam Davis was going to have a great week. Um, but Adam Scott just kind of, he outdid him. Kyle, you, Cam Davis, top 20. I'm right there with you. I like that pick. Um, it just didn't pan out. Yeah, he finished, what, T35. I was disappointed. You know, he, he, he was near the lead after two days, and then he shot 75-71, I think, on the weekend to fall back. Uh, to T35. So uh, I still like I'm I would do the pick again. I was just bummed by the way he kind of finished. Yeah, it was disappointing. Mark got himself into a dog fight on this one. Patrick Cantlay over Scotty Scheffler. So in Mark's matchup, it is best bet matchup. He ends up with two guys that finish inside the top three in this event. Pretty impressive stuff. And he hit. He got can't lay. He got the winner. I wish he said can't lay outright. Um, and and I'm sure he does too. And many of you watching do as well. But it was um uh, that's a that's a tight matchup, uh, and it must have been a really fun watch. But let's get over to one and done now. All right. So one and done. Mark had well. We always start. We always start from the bottom, right? So Sia, Sia's gotten rid of the mush. He has had a nice end of the year. Uh, but still not enough to catch Kyle. So relegation, if this were another year, is imminent for Sia Najad. He took Joaquin Neiman, cashed 420000 out of it. Cam Davis, for you, Kyle, um, I like that you still had him in play. That was it. You, were, you must have been feeling great about him coming in. Yeah, I was. Uh, and part of it was just trying to pick somebody that none of you were going to pick, right? Yeah. I I actually almost went with Zalatoris, which I'm really glad I didn't, although it doesn't really matter at this point. But uh, I saved him, so I'll play him next week at the Tour Championship. Oh, that's great. You got Will Zalatoris. You got a top three guy. Yep. That's if he if he makes it through. I mean he's if he's if he's healthy. Yeah, exactly. But that's really a um it's so important in this event and so hard to do. But Rick had Tom Kim. Uh, and he cashed $34,350. Uh, disappointing for him, but he's played like 21 weeks in a row. So I understand why <laughs> Tom didn't have the, and I don't blame him, but he just narrowly missed out on making it to the tour championship. And I'm sure his, even though he's only 20, I'm sure his body needs a rest. I took Victor Hovland 
I thought it'd be a good golf course for him. I'm also very limited in my options. My strategy, I got behind early this year and I just started throwing all my ammo at it and it didn't work out so well. So now I'm very limited. I have only a couple of players um, even available in the tour championship and I don't have a top three guy. So Hovland 67, 75, Brian Harmon 67, uh, 750 for the coach. And I'm, that, that one kind of surprised me. Uh, he must be, he must be saving somebody because coach is in, you know, he's in position to get past Jacob and get on the podium. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And he, so, and he took Brian Harmon in the second. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't have anybody. Maybe he's like me. Right. Or me. Yeah, it could be. So I'm very, without him being here, I'm not going to be judgmental because I certainly understand the situation. And you're trying to save guys for next week and you don't know where they're going to finish. You don't want to save yourself on one guy and have him withdraw. It's a tough situation this time of year. But Jacob, with Cam Young, come on in here, Jacob. This is phenomenal. 133 large coming out of this one. Um, You're in third. This was a perfect golf course for him. It was a perfect one, and uh, in fact, it was kind of disappointing. He shot 72-72 over the weekend. Yeah, I thought, I thought he was going to kind of be in it. I thought so, too, after Friday. So Yeah, I mean, we talked about Rick and I talked about him on, on Friday night. We're, we're still in it. Uh, I'm doing the math. I'm taking the calculations. I'm trying to figure out who Mark's got. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going with Rory. I've got, I mean, I'll, I'll spoil it right now, who I got for the Tour Championship. I got Patrick Cantlay. So, wow, you know, we could we could see a big upset at the end here because five point four million would go to whoever gets first place. Wow. Because you you double the two point seven from the FedEx St. Jude. But if he if he uses Rory, he's going to get a presumably a bunch. What's what's like 10th place? Uh, 10th place would be four hundred and eight. Like so, doubled or doubled. So four hundred. So you double that. So it'd be close to eight hundred thousand. So can you, Jacob? Can you get to thirteen? What's the winning? You're looking at what is it? Um, five four. It's tough because you got You got to figure out what Mark's gonna. Mark's gonna get like the margin yeah. that you get. You, you gotta can, be. Mark. You can get him. I think I can. I think Coach could get him too. The fans most certainly could. Greg, I think you might have an outside shot. We we don't have Steve Sands anymore doing the whiteboard. To- no, I mean I might have a mathematical shot, but I don't have a shot. I don't have the players. I have. No, you have Sepp Strakas. I mean Sepp Straka might be a viable tour championship oh, play at four under. Play. I and Scott Stallings. I have him. I think. I might not. I think we all do. <laughs> I might not have him. I think I gotta, might I gotta, set I gotta a, check that out. We get we got to set a rule next year where you have to use Sepp Straka or. Or and Scott Snollings at at least one point throughout the season. I like that. I'm fine with that. Absolutely fine with it. I play them all the time. Um, all right. So the fans, Jacob, by the way, is like the comeback most improved, no question. I mean, Mark's beaten Rob Bolton, so he's a superstar. But Jacob is. This is a beautifully played year. Mark uh, Mark also plays with inside information, which we have to always like just keep that in the, the front of our minds because we are not at nearly as many events as he is. And, you know, he he can chat with these guys on the range, get some. Yeah. Get some inside nuggets. Um, 
He still doesn't now, know what the a fans, sleeper is, but <laughs> the fans is a collective group. So this one, I mean, they may have inside information. I don't, I don't know, but they went with Joaquin Neiman and they also with Sia and they tied winning the week, 420 K big, big week for Joaquin who played some great golf, finished tied eighth, uh, disappointing 70 on Sunday, but still really, really good golf out of him and out of the fans. So this is an interesting race now. We have $1.4 million or thereabouts separating uh, the fans and Mark, who has been dominating all year long. And Mark's got to play. I mean, he's got to feel like Scotty Scheffler. He's got to play a great week uh, if he wants to win this thing. Otherwise, he's going to get clipped. The fans can do it. And you know they have ammo, Kyle. They got a late start to the year. Yeah, they do. Uh, what are they, 1.4? I mean, yeah. Rory's, Rory's a problem. I don't know. Do the, do the fans, who do they have left? Do they have any of the top five? They must. I, I can't go through it right now. But they got to have. I mean, I think they've played Will Zalatoris. Do they play Chef? I don't know. They might not have played Chef. They have played Chef. They've played Scotty right. Scheffler. Cantley. Cantley might be on the board for him. Oof. Oh no, nope. They use Cantley at the oh, British that's Open. That's huge for you, Jacob. That is big Zalat- for me. Zalatoris. Uh, used Zalatoris at the U.S. Open. Wow. So the top three is out. They might be playing Sep. You could always play Sep. There's always money in Sep Straka. There's yeah, always and, money in Sepsis. And the banana stand. Exactly. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I don't and think that, uh, Cam. Uh, they have used both Camerons, Young and Smith. Okay. They've they've used Sam Burns. Sung Jay is off the board for them. Wow. Wow. That's the problems. <clears throat> yeah, they have problems. Well, that's yeah. So, that's the issue. They didn't. They didn't think this out. All, however, many of them that voted. I love that they've doubled me up in like four months, and I'm like, the fans have some problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do we, Kyle. So do we. Yes. Yes. Uh, bet a tough year. A tough year and one and done. I was really yeah. hoping to have a chance to win. You know, this is what you want. You want to go into the last week with a chance to win. Jacob has a great chance to win, and Mark obviously does too. Um, because it looks like he's gonna play Rory and he's got the he's got a big lead. So that's I think I think my play of the year was Scheffler at the American Express. Great, <laughs> great play, great job. Yeah, I played him at the PGA. So a guy with four wins. Did he miss the cut at American Express? I uh he won like fifty thousand dollars, I yeah. think. So between you and I a player who's going to win player of the year, the most money won. ever on the PGA tour. And we got 50 grand out of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Crush. It's crushing. I mean, that could be the difference. I mean, uh, I, we're not going there. He made a uh, $55,955. Uh, zero. I get, I walk away with zero. You got to be kidding me. Yeah. Stuff. I got a zero out of Finau. I got two zeros out of DJ. I picked him twice. <laughs> <laughs> I got a zero from Marty Fish, crooked Marty Fish. <laughs> I got a I got a zero out of Sep Straka. So actually, we're gonna go back and say there's not always money in picking Sep Straka. <laughs> I got thirty eight grand from Brooks. Great job at the U.S. Open, Brooks. 
That's nice. Forty six grand out of Rom. I think I picked him twice. Also, (laughs) this is just tough to sixty four out of Cantlay. This is how you end up at the um, at the bottom, nearing relegation. Yeah, Yeah. you and see in a relegation match next week. That's tight. That's tight. Two hundred k with this big purse. Yeah, it is. All right, we have to get serious here before we wrap up the show. Um, at, today, at the age of 79, uh, Tom Weiskopf, PGA Tour and golf legend, um, ha- passed away with pancreatic cancer. A um, couple of big notes on him. 16 PGA Tour wins. He won the 1973 Open Championship. Four PGA Tour champions wins. He won the 1995 U.S. Senior Open. He won the 1963 Western Amateur Championship, which he talk, Kyle talks about it, feeling like a big deal. Uh, that is, he, he played on two, he was a two-time U.S. Ryder Cup captain um, and a, a world-famous golf course designer. And, you know, when he came out, when he first came out, KP, he was an, out of Ohio State, kind of the, the first next Jack Nicklaus. Yeah. Um, so the game of golf has lost a, a very special individual. For sure. Uh, you know, obviously we didn't, cover him he's a lot older than kind of when we came into the sport but it's it's always fun and enlightening to go back and read up on you know a lot of these guys that came before our time and and you read uh i was reading some dan jenkins stuff today some jaime diaz stuff and i mean weiskopf was just a unbelievable talent i think i think one of the guys that the most talent to least public uh fame like historical fame of maybe like gotta be top five in golf history um because he didn't probably win as much as people thought he would and some of that was mentality you know he i read some quotes from him where he just talked about struggling like to let things go on the golf course and how that you know he didn't win because of it. There's a great quote from, I think it was the 86 masters where he was commentating and they threw it over to him. And uh, I think it was Nance asked like, what's, what's Jack Nicholas thinking right now? And he said, oh, well, if I, if I knew that I probably would have won this golf tournament. Yeah. And he famously finished fourth or excuse me, finished second four times at Augusta national probably as close to call was 1975. He led Nicholas by one and Johnny Miller by four going into the final round. He actually led after 69 holes also, but played the last three and one over and lost to Nicholas, tied with Miller and lost to Nicholas by one. That was a pretty famous Masters uh, where he came up uh, obviously short once again for the, I think that was the fourth time that he had finished second. So yeah, huge loss. Uh, It's always sad um, when the greats are gone. but also a, a, a golfing life, certainly, to, to be celebrated. Absolutely. And, and a broadcasting life to be celebrated, too, which I think it's... I mean, that's what I think of when I think of Tom Weiskopf. I think of that call on 16 in 1986, which, of course, I've only watched on YouTube. Um, but it's it's just a great call. So phenomenal. I also think of Tom Weiskopf when every year when we go to TPC Scott's... yeah. Since he designed that and we're blessed with a great tournament every year. Uh, and, and he's a big part of that. 
So, um, well, that's all we have for you tonight. But I do want to offer, as we always do, you have Kyle. You have any final thoughts for us? I don't think so. It was a, it was a fun week. BMW, uh, USAM. Uh, we've got we've got you know more upcoming tour championship, a bunch of live stuff after that. So should be fireworks for uh, for at least a couple more weeks before we get into to kind of the the heart of the football season. Yep, it's it's looking like it. So uh, buckle up, hold on, because you're going to be hearing some rather interesting conversations around the game of golf for the next couple of weeks. And, um, and we'll be here to walk you through all that. So it's officially tour championship week. I can't believe it's the final event of the PGA tour season. Um, but it, it's here and we'll have a DFS episode for you tomorrow night uh, at five 30. We'll have a, um, a, a super preview on Tuesday for you. Um, likely a, a, a betting preview, final betting preview on Wednesday as well. And then of course, round by round, coverage round by round recaps every round after um after the tour championship so there's a lot to get to in the upcoming week we thank you for listening uh, and i hope you have a great sunday night It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.